Welcome back to another episode of Gang Grow Retain. Today, we have Emily Garza with us, who's the AVP of customer success at Fastly and has also started uh, a brand called Value CS with Emily. Tons of great content that she's putting out on LinkedIn and various other channels. Um, So Emily, appreciate you hopping on with us today. Thanks for having me. Where, um, if you could go on a trip anywhere, you know, right now, just you know, run into your closet, grab a backpack and could just go and jet set anywhere. Where would you go? Oh, that is such a tempting question because of how much lockdown there's been. Um, I would say if it's going somewhere that I've been before, uh, Florence, Italy, because I'm just dreaming of the wine and all of the amazing food, uh, somewhere that is still on my bucket list. Uh, I'd say the pyramids in Egypt. Very cool. Um, I'm jealous. My wife and I were supposed to go to Italy last year. We had plans like a two and a half week trip and it was like literally right at the end of May. And so like, we're like watching this happen and we're just like slowly getting more and more sad because it just is, you know, kind of dwindling our, our opportunity, but hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get the chance maybe 2022 we'll get the chance to go. But Florence was definitely on our, on our list. Heard great things. Yes. It's an amazing place. Um, I know, you know, as tons of, tons of stuff or like you've been putting out tons of great content, uh, on LinkedIn and, you know, trying to think about maybe some of the scenarios or situations that you find yourself in that you're helping coach your teams around. Um, and so I think we, we came up or came back to a couple of ideas, um, of things that we could talk through today, especially maybe getting into some of the, the tactical pieces. And so, um, I think we wanted to drill down, you know, in thinking about QBRs and, and, um, strategies with customers potentially too, uh, just around specific accounts. So uh, maybe for some context, like how do you think about the engagement model or the types of engagements that your customer success team is doing with, with customers? Yeah. So we, uh, our customer success team is tiered into three different groups. We've got our uh, key accounts, which are kind of those uh, largest, most strategic, think, you know, multi-BU uh, types of accounts. We've got our enterprise, um, so billing over a certain threshold. And then we've just recently launched more in the like SMB support space with kind of a tech touch digital first model. Um, and so it's really interesting because each of those are obviously different, right? And how you interact with the customers and how things are set up. And uh, when we originally started, the initial focus was on kind of that enterprise group, right? High touch, um, more in like that. For us, it's a one to 20, one to 25 type range uh, for coverage. And I think that's really, I mean, minus the tech touch, which can be, you know, very structured, but I think that's really the sweet spot where you can start to still put together uh, some structures and frameworks that can scale across um, customers and accounts while adding in the customization. I feel like once you get up to that key account level, kind of everything's a little bit of a snowflake. (laughs) So it becomes a little bit harder to um, make things quite as repeatable. So that's really where we focused is um, at least initially on that enterprise space of, you know, yeah, how do we make um, templates and playbooks and at least best practice guides so that people could be going down the same road. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, we're, we're going through a similar exercise right now, which is why I thought it would be interesting. Um, And I also think 
you're really passionate about the flip side too, about us thinking about how do you internally probably do some coaching around that? How do you uh, make sure that you're checking with your teams and whatnot? So I think we can probably hit on both sides, which would be really fun. Um, so when you think about like, like you said, kind of finding some of those um, kind of key engagements that you're doing with customers, is there one that stands out where you all have been able to um, kind of standardize the playbook and you've been able to, to kind of really see how that type of interaction can scale and also, you know, be able to kind of measure those things? Is there one that stands out to you right now? Uh, so I'd say I think everybody defaults or likes to talk about the QBR. Um, I actually think in not all, but a lot of instances, you can get even more value out of the cadence call. Um, so you maybe aren't, it's, so I would say a cadence call is going to be more focused on like your day-to-day, your main contact, right? So you're not getting maybe that executive buy-in um, or alignment, which you might be getting through a QBR. But I do think you can get a lot of really good insight if you're doing a cadence call correctly. Um And I think that it's this idea of moving away from, you know, hey, I had a meeting with the customer, I checked the box, right? Like everything's good, I'll mark them as green in the health score and like call it a day um, to really like, how are you driving value and uh, making sure that it's worthwhile for us, it's worthwhile for the customer. Um, So I feel like that's the one that we tend to focus on more and it also happens more, right? Like you're able to, iterate and execute on it better because you're doing it more often. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you about that thought in a second about the um, getting more value to the EBR and QBR type of, of scenario. Cause I, um, I think I might agree with you and I think it'd be fun for us to kind of talk about why, but I'm curious on your cadence call. Um, is there, like you just mentioned, right. I think um, the cadence call probably in the context that you're talking about, right. You've put some definition around it. It seems like there's probably going to be some structure, um, so how do people avoid it just becoming kind of uh, an everything call and still making it an effective time with a customer where we're building the right relationship, but we're also helping them kind of get to the right outcomes. I'm curious if there's anything that sticks out when you look at your cadence call that you're just like, yep, like this is kind of the, this is our secret sauce. This is how we make it, you know, make sure that it's really valuable for both sides of the coin. I think in terms of like topics or agendas, the key things that we include in a cadence call you're looking at, you know, any outstanding project status, right? Where where are we today? What are the next steps? Who actually owns them in the timeline, right? So drilling into a little bit more of those specifics rather than just, hey, here's uh, where we are today. Um, I think similar to a QBR doing, you know, if there are any company updates on either side, I think we're always really apt to want to share our information, but sometimes we forget to ask the customer what's going on in their world and what might be changing and uh, actually impact, you know, projects that we're working on or other conversations that we've been having. Um, And then I think it also allows you to get into maybe some of those more granular details that wouldn't be appropriate for a QBR, right? So reviewing like recent tickets or feedback um, where you can kind of, make sure that you're closing the loop or checking the box with your main contacts, making sure that they understand, uh, you know, maybe the reason for a recent outage or, you know, why that ticket was resolved in a certain way um, because they're often, you know, getting those questions from their leaderships, making sure that they're empowered to be able to answer that. 
Um, and then we tend to wrap up on just kind of alignment. So, you know, any upcoming meetings, um, who's supposed to be there, uh, any, you know, making sure that we're aligned on the agenda for those sort of things. And then, you know, what, what are those key milestones between this cadence call and the next one, whether it's, you know, two weeks, four weeks, whatever that uh, timeline might be. Yeah. The word that keeps coming um, to mind for me is like, you're, it seems like in those cadence calls, you're just really acting like a partner instead of a vendor, right? Like it, I think a lot of times we try, like, I just think that becomes a, like a misnomer in the industry where people are like, Oh, like, how do we, how do we get outside of being thought of as a vendor? And like one way to do that is to, like you said, just start imposing yourself in a way that is collaborative, right? We're in the meeting, we're kind of in that meeting and we're going through things and we're trying to find opportunities for us to talk, for them to talk. Um, like you said, alignment on future meetings, making sure that we know who the key stakeholders are. But like, to me, I think that's probably one of the best ways that you can start to get your teams um, to think about that is, Hey, how do we just start acting like a partner and a thought leader? And how do we, you know, start kind of forcing them to think about us in that bucket rather than forcing them to think about us in the vendor bucket where we're just calling for a check-in. Right. And so I think, um, like you said, you called out some key pieces, but I also think like the, the kind of behind the scenes, like the idea behind that is like, Hey, we really want to be a partner with this organization. And if we just call for check-ins and we don't follow up on things, we don't do the right things, then we're always going to be thought of as a vendor and it's going to be easy to kind of cut our, cut our line item. Right. Um, the second thing, I don't know why, but I've always been very passionate about um, like meetings and agendas and like preparation for meetings. And I also just think that nine times out of 10 internal meetings, external meetings, nine times out of 10, there's probably not really an agenda. There's not really like pre-reading or context ahead of time. Like I would just say in the last year, I would venture to guess that all of us are running from meeting to meeting and, Mm -hmm. you know, the context switching is really hard. There's not a lot um, that has been prepared in terms of an agenda that we can, you know, read into. So um, I even think too, coaching your teams to do that really well uh, is probably an area where you also just kind of pick up some points, right? Because if I walk into a meeting, it's so well run that I remember it. Like, think that's like a brand interaction that I'm going to remember like, Oh my gosh, Emily at Fastly had this agenda that she whipped over. She gave us slides ahead of time. She gave us opportunities to talk. Like she asked us directly for our opinions on things. Like if I just remember that, think about the meetings you have today and like how memorable that would be if you, if one just stood out and then you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to remember Emily from Fastly like forever. Right. Because it's, so I just think about that too. I don't know if, if you've, um, if you've seen that yourself, or if you, I don't know if you feel as passionate as, uh, as I do about like trying to make sure that we get outside of just this adding a meeting, throwing a zoom on, um, and get beyond that. But that's just something I've, I've always thought about recently. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's both a internal and external problem, right? Just because you're internally on my team doesn't mean that you get away with a lack of agenda, right? Like I still want to know what we're going to talk about. I still want to be prepared. Um, and I think, yeah, setting, being able to take the time to set up the agenda. And I was actually just um, talking with someone on this earlier this week and uh, he had shared an agenda with me and I was like, that gives me nothing. It means nothing. It's like a one word, like, you know, a lot, or like, I, I forget what the example was, but it's like, I don't, I don't know how to interpret that to even like, it's basically like he gave me no agenda because it yeah. was so generic. Yeah. Uh, and so also thinking about, you know, yes, you don't need to write an entire book as an agenda, but being able to give people a little bit more of an indication of, you know, here's what we're going to talk about. 
I'm going to present it. You're going to present it, right? Like letting them kind of know how they can best be prepared. Um, I agree. I think it's one of the most frustrating things when someone is asking for your time, but not uh, giving you any indication of like what to expect from that. Um, Like I'm, you know, I want to meet with people. I'm happy to share, but you got to give me some sort of direction. Yeah. Because then if Uh, I'm not the right person, I want to be able to point you in a better direction, right? If you're going to end up asking me about something I have no context in, like, let's not waste either of our times. Let's just get you the right person. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing this thing recently and maybe this will help. I'm just going to give you, I'll give you the the five second version, but like I've been trying to, um, to use one of, I think there's three meetings that you're having. Uh, One is informational where it's purely, Hey, I'm just reading you into this situation. Um, no offense, but I'm not really asking for opinion. Like a decision's already been made. This is purely just like, hey, I'm reading you in and I just want you to, to be at the same level of information that I am. The second meeting is more, I call alignment meeting, which is, hey, I'm gonna present some things, We're gonna, we're, but we're gonna openly discuss this. We need to kind of, there needs to be a give and take, a back and forth where we're kind of sharpening the idea, sharpening the strategy, whatever we're talking about, and we'll get to a better place at the end. And then the, the third type of meeting is we're actually making a decision. Um, like we need a concrete decision because there are future things, future projects, um, timelines, whatever else that's kind of hindered on us making a decision. And so uh, that's just something I've been using internally recently is so like in, in the meetings that I own, I've been going through and hopefully, hopefully if anybody's out there from our <laughs> team listening um, is putting that. And so I'll put like, it's this type of meeting in a one sentence about like, why I think it's that type of meeting. And then I've just been keeping my agenda to three bullet points. But to your point, I try and make them sentences, not mm-hmm. one words. I try and make it like a, at least like a 10 to 12 word, like, Hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish, or this is what we're, we're trying to do. Um, and then I just put the timing in there too. Like, I just always try and, um, again, I'm, I, I'm just trying to be very conscious recently, uh, especially cause I do a lot of customer calls as well, where it's like, Every, I'm, if I'm having back-to-back calls and every call is a half an hour, I never get three minutes before my next call. I never get, right? So yeah. I'm trying to drive everything down. If it's a half an hour call, I'm trying to end it by 25 minutes. And so I'll just put that timing in there too. Hey, we're trying to end five minutes early to let everyone go. But like, those are a couple of things I've been trying to do recently. So um, I don't know if that helps you or if you um, if you have another uh, framework that you think about when you're trying to, to schedule meetings, but that's something that uh, has, I've been trying recently and I, I've liked it just because it helps me also just prepare a lot better um, and be a better facilitator in meetings. Yeah, I love that. And I'm a huge fan um, of time blocking. So especially for like QBR type meetings where it's like there's tends to be a lot of stuff to cover you always like plan for an hour, but it could always go an hour and a half, right? It's like, no, we've got to, we've got to really focus. And um, so I definitely drive my team of, you know, okay, yeah, to this topic, like who owns it? How long are we going to talk about it? And then like, how do we transition into the next one? Um, I also loved your point on the informational meeting. So one thing that I actually um, had from my marketing team earlier this year they were collecting feedback on a customer event and, you know, with all of the changes with lockdown, like, you know, how are we going to structure what's most impactful to sales and customer success? And number one, appreciate that they're asking, love that. Um, (laughs) But then what I really enjoyed that they did is they had all of these uh, information gathering meetings and then they put slides together of, you know, here's the feedback that we got. 
and they used some tool and recorded it. So instead of it being, you know, hey, let's all like, you know, find these 20 people, uh, one spot on their calendar, which is probably now three months out. Um, <laughs> they, you know, it was instead of a 30 minute meeting, here's a five minute recording of us going through, you know, the lessons that we got from everyone, all the feedback. Um, if you then have feedback on this, feel free to reach out. But it was a super consolidated way, especially for, to your point, like that informational meeting where it's more of that one-way conversation um, that I thought was so incredible. Um, just a great consolidation of time, but you're still getting the information. Yeah. Um, I like that example a lot too, where they had you know smaller pockets and then try to consolidate everything is, and then like share it out more broadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about to go do a listening exercise with, um, we just, we had an acquisition that we made a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago now. Um, and so we're going to listen to hundred customers from that customer base. And so, um, one of the things that we're trying to do is also go through and kind of, okay, every two weeks, we kind of want to give a, a simple readout, but it doesn't, I mean, to your point, it's not going to be to the nth degree and every little detail that's happened. So how do we start boiling some up, some of these themes and some of the larger pieces, but, uh, to me, that's another informational type meeting that we'll be having kind of every two weeks. And it'll be maybe like a 15 to 20 minute conversation, but it's like, Hey, if you're available and free and you want to hop on the zoom, it's going to be, you know, kind of come in, listen, ask a few questions. If there's anything that's, you know, um, kind of pertinent or anything, but then, you know, we'll share that out more, more broadly in our employee community as well. Um, mm-hmm. to do this. yeah, that's great. Um, so let's go back to the EBR for a second. Um, I liked your point. Cause I think I tend to agree that like everyone really likes to focus on the QBR and the EBR type of, um, interaction. Cause I think it's just the easy one to grasp, right. Where it's like, Hey, this is a strategic quote unquote strategic meeting. We're going to get yep. execs involved and, and whatnot. So, uh, maybe where do you see fall them? Uh, where do you see, uh, that type of interaction maybe fall short or, you know, why, why did you say the cadence meeting might be a little bit even more important than that QBR EBR? Yeah, I think number one, there's the naming component, right? And I think everyone in CS hears QBR and you're like, okay, I know what that means. It's like a more strategic meeting with some sort of cadence. But everyone outside of CS is like, oh, you meet with your customer quarterly. It's like, eh, like probably not. Like that's more of the rare exception than it is the rule um, because it really depends on, you know, the customer and how you've structured those communications. But at least from our perspective, you know, we're doing it in our enterprise space, you know, maybe three times a year. Um, so it's not really quarterly. Um, very hard to get people to meet in like a November, December timeframe. Uh, oh nobody, gosh, really, yeah. nobody really wants to do work at that point. Um, so, you know, I, I think some of it is just the, the nomenclature that we use and uh, kind of the expectations that it sets. But I also think that it's really thinking about the right message for the right attendees. So we tend to want to cram either super tactical things in the QBR Um, and then, you know, you've got executives who you've invited that now never want to come back again because (laughs) you've totally lost them. Like they don't care about all those details. Um, or, you know, you only have the same people that you meet with in the cadence meeting and you're trying to have this different level conversation, but they don't have maybe, uh, the insight into the stuff that you're trying to get, right? Like they can't talk about the company direction um, in the next five years, right? Because that's not where their world lives. Yeah. Uh, so I think really trying to align like those, that attendee and messaging is something that 
uh, becomes a little bit trickier for business reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I love this cause I tend to agree as well where, uh, and a couple of things maybe come to mind and I'm, you know, tell me if you agree or disagree with some of these things, but number one, I think, um, I do think that facilitation is a skill that is hard for people to learn. And when you yep. get in front of an executive team and you talk about doing this type of executive business review, right. The status quo maybe is like, I'm going to read out on what we've done. I'm giving you a lot of slides with data and all this stuff that we're doing. And I just tend to think that's almost like the wrong mindset. Cause it's like, okay, that's all that stuff's already all happened. Like an executive is coming to that meeting. Like you said, and the executive is, I mean, they're getting paid to think, you know, one year out, not three months out, right? Like their, mm-hmm. their uh, kind of field of vision is three months, six months, nine months, 12 months down the road. Like they're not thinking about, Hey, what's going to happen tomorrow. And so if you're reading out uh, like Jeff Bezos had a quote recently about like his executive team. And he's like, if my executive team isn't thinking three to five years out, then like they're getting sucked into the wrong things. Like they're getting into the wrong conversations. And yeah. so that just always rings in my mind is and so like facilitation, I think is really hard because it's a skill. I think our teams need to get better and develop that. Like we need to be coaching them to um, how do you handle that type of meeting? How do you pass the microphone, especially digitally now? Um, how do you keep people engaged? How do you call on certain people um, to kind of, you know, do a back and forth. Uh, but I think it starts with thinking about the content. And I think the, uh, the way I've thought about doing these in the, in the future is can you boil down that historical context into one or two slides and can it be kind of who is fastly, what did we help you accomplish? And like, where's, where's the market or what are the trends that, you know, where they're going? Those are the three things that I think if you can answer those in like two slides, I think an executive would be like, Oh my gosh, this is golden. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think to your point, the facilitation and what starts to happen in those meetings is then you can start thinking about the forward questions of like, you know, where are you going in five years? How are we going to be a better partner with you? Um, what are the, you know, what are the slides that you, um, what are the slides that you're worried about in the next board presentation that's coming up? Um, what's on your whiteboard that needs to get done? Like those types of just overarching open-ended questions. So I think the other piece too, I think if, if you can do those two slides really well and you can send them ahead of time, you leave the first 10 to 15 minutes to talk through that in like a constructive way. Hey, what questions did you have? Did you have a chance to read this? You know, where, what are we working on? Um, give them maybe a, a little taste of the, the future vision. And then I think you start leaving the end for those types of questions and that type of dialogue where I think it can be, um, can go really well. But that's, those are a couple of things that I've just noticed where I think that they've been kind of off and similar. I think I, you know, agree with you that they could definitely be, be better and more thoughtful about how we're doing them. The other piece that I love uh, that you mentioned too, is the naming of it. Um, I'm, I've been thinking a lot recently, like how could you name it something in your industry? So like mm. we serve the community industry. So it's like, Hey, can we, instead of making it a QBR, could it just be like your community business review or your something that, I don't know, elicits maybe something uh, that's a little bit more akin to how they talk about it as well, rather than something that we would be designated with, which I think you mentioned. So I kind of rambled yeah. for a little bit, but anything you agree with or disagree with and <laughs> kind of what I said. Yeah, I I loved the point of kind of the short recap, right? Like it most of the meetings should be future looking, future planning. Um, but I do think it is important to have some of that recap, because if you think about it, you don't know 
either like what messaging is getting up to the executives or if any messaging is getting up to the executives, right? So yeah. being able to use that time uh, to kind of recap those accomplishments, I think is incredibly important. And I think where we've seen it be most successful is where that piece of the presentation is jointly held um, by us and maybe our champion or our main contact, right? So it's not just us saying, hey, we've done all these amazing things for you, but you're giving their people like a spotlight to kind of share in the celebration and get some of the kudos, right, from the the work that they've been doing. Um, So I think that 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 piece is really important to not only share the accomplishment, but also showcase the partnership. That is such a good point too. Um, I think the, that is almost another challenge that starts to happen where you feel like as the, as the partner, as the vendor in the room, like we're the ones who have to deliver the entire thing. Like we're building the Mm -hmm. whole thing. And I think the more that you can make that a collaboration with kind of your day-to-day contact and give them speaking parts. Again, I think that elicits back to that kind of, um, Hey, how are we acting more as a partner? And when you, when you do those things, you act more as a partner. And then those executives start to notice that as well. Right. They're like, Oh, you know, Jeff is talking in the meeting alongside Emily and like, they're actually like, you guys have been collaborating a lot. You're, you've been working together. So it's not, again, it, it's a, we start to become a little bit more ingrained in in their business. And I think that those are little small things that I think over time start to add up um, a lot. And I love that point that you just mentioned. Cause I think that um, again, so it's a small thing that I think a lot of people don't think about just giving your, your day-to-day contact speaking parts, making sure to run the slides by them. Hey, and just like mm-hmm. you said, like, Hey, what's the context of how you position this internally before, you know, what are we positioning differently? So very, very, very valuable point. I think. Yeah. And a lot of it goes to the internal prep, right? Like a QBR slides or even agenda, like you're not putting that together the day before, or if you are, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so making sure, you know, you've got buy-in from your internal team of, you know, Hey, this is the message that we want to deliver, but you're also running it to your point, you know, by your main contact or your champion, because the more that you can not only showcase things in partnership with them, but use their terminology um, it starts to show how ingrained you are in the business, right? Like, I don't want to be um, talking about one thing when you calculate it a different way, right? Like, yeah. let's use the things that you talk about in your business every day because it will be more relatable. You'll be able to absorb it faster. Um, and it'll just show that, like, I care. I know about your business. Yeah. Yeah. The um, The other thing that, like, sticks out in my mind, too, is just, I think, the, whether it's the cadence meeting or um, the QBR, EBR, you know, whatever you're calling it, is the ability to architect a story and be able to make slides that are appealing. Again, I think over time, like you mentioned earlier, we've kind of gotten into this check the box type of you know mode where we're just trying to do things to check the box. And so I think the other thing that I have spent a lot of time on recently, and uh, one, it's probably because I'm a nerd, and two, it's probably because I'm you know just. I don't know, just trying to, um, like, I, I think it's like a useful skill. Maybe that's really underrated right now. It's just the, the power of like writing and writing really well in a business mm. context. And so, you know, it's like, how do you make headlines on your slides read like a sentence rather than just like, like you said, like one word that I won't really get any context out of. How do you, how do you make it so that if I read the first line of your slide, it makes me want to read the second and the third and keep moving mm. down, right? Like, how do you make a compelling story? Um, Cause I think that's also, 
we've kind of lost the art of that a little bit. And I think it's now um, a little too just giving you a chart, giving you a graph, like kind of just showing, hey, here's what happened from A to B. But like, what's the why? What's the how? What did we impact? How do we do that? That's all the stuff that I think is the good story that if you can really architect that well, I think that's also probably just what makes a, a more compelling deck or meeting. Um, and I think about that a lot for like appendix slides, like, you know, I don't, I mean, I think some of our customers are interested maybe about like a, uh, what's happening on the roadmap for our product over the next you know quarter or two, but I also think some yeah. of them probably don't care that much. And so it's like, maybe hit, you know, a couple of things on that, but then how do you make a compelling slide that says, Hey, here's what you're going to care about you know, on the product roadmap moving forward. And here's how it's going to impact your business. Not just a list of here, are the features that are coming, but like translating those features into business outcomes. Like you said, helping them understand how it's going to impact their business is it probably goes a long way too. Yeah. I, I think that goes back to the balance of, um, you know, how do you start with a template, but then be able to customize it. Right. Like, yeah, if we've already talked to you about this and this is kind of where cadence meetings can become helpful too, right? Like, let me start to flesh out this idea, see if there's interest. If so, great. Let's talk about it in a more strategic context in like a QBR, because I've already tested the waters a little bit um, yeah. where you're not, you know, throwing this thing out there and they're like, no, we told, you know, the last account team a year ago, we'd never be interested. And you're like, oh crap. Like now it looks like I, <laughs> I don't know the background. Um, but I also love the point around architecting a story. Um, I think some of the coaching that I've done on the team is like, great. You took a screenshot of our UI, um, customer could have gone and done that themselves too. Like, what are we trying to, to share with this? And I think sometimes people are, I think we've gotten so much coaching or feedback in our lifetime of like, don't put too many words in the PowerPoint slides that people tend to like be word averse. Um, but then you kind of lose like that idea of the messaging of the slide, right? So it's like, okay, put the graph, but then, you know, give me a line or two of what, what should be my takeaway here, yeah. right? So that way, if I'm uh, either missed the meeting or I'm going back after, like, I can go look at that slide and I don't need someone to explain it to me, right? Like it's clear enough that I can get what you're trying to communicate by just looking at it myself. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I think about a lot, I don't know. And I'm curious if you've done this. I don't think, I don't think I've had this done to me as like, uh, you know, we use a lot of tools and I have QBRs and, and whatnot with some of our vendors, but like, I don't think anybody's done this, but I was literally just thinking too, how nice it would be is if um, like, Personally, if, if you, if Emily, if you're, you know, the, if you're leading the meeting and helping us um, execute, you know, the EBR, QBR, whatever it is, is also to send like a personal email afterwards that um, where you set up maybe like your own survey or something that has like some quick pointed feedback, like some specific questions that they can help, you know, how do we improve this meeting for next time? Like the way, more I'm thinking about it, like, I just don't remember getting any of those types of like after emails from some of the vendors that we work with, which now I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, what a great valuable touch point, probably to your point, like, Hey, how are we going to make this better in the future? And it just serves as another way to say, Hey, we're, we're thinking about, you know, how valuable your time is. We want this to improve. We want to make sure that we're always kind of moving this forward. So I don't know if that's something you all do now or not, but I just thought about that, how, um, hopefully not, I'm not thinking like, oh, this is a mass survey from like Gainsight or something, right? But like, could you architect it where it's like an easy type form or something that's just, you know, a couple of questions, how do you make it easy for them to fill out? But that was just a thought that came in my mind real quick. Yeah, I love the thought. Um, I feel like I've 
tried it in some capacity a couple different ways. Um, I've tried getting pre-meeting feedback, right, of how are we doing? Like, tell us now so we can talk about it in the meeting. I've tried kind of the post, like, how did the meeting go? And um, I think in order for it to be successful, you either need like a coordinator on the customer side or someone who's going to like help bug them to complete it. Or you need to be really clear upfront on like, hey, I'm going to be sending this out and like, here's yeah. how we're going to use it, right? Giving that context because otherwise I think it feels a little bit like, okay, well, we just asked you for, you know, an hour for this meeting. Now we're going to ask you for more time to fill out this survey, right? Like it starts to become um, more of an ask on the customer, but I think you can preempt that by sharing some of the context of, here's why we're asking and here's how we want to use this to improve. And I would think that would increase your response rate or I would hope. Yeah. 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 Especially given in the context and like how you're going to do that. Um, man, this is uh, awesome. I've been loving this. So uh, I know we've probably got just a, a couple more, a couple of minutes left. You mentioned earlier, just, um, you know, coaching your team and, and making sure, you know, how, how are we kind of thinking about some of these things? So, and you're, you know, are you listening to gong recordings? Are you in on some of these calls? Like, what have you found to be kind of effective when you're, you know, trying to help coach and, and think about how do you help your team progress and think about some of these situations? Obviously, there's kind of like the enablement, maybe the templates and the um, kind of standard definitions and, and playbooks that you might be developing. But I'm curious, like, what what have you found is like, hey, if we can do these things, you know, one, one, two, and three, like, uh, then we can, you know, do good coaching. We can have good enablement, like that whole that whole kind of um, process. I'm curious if there's anything that sticks out. I think from my perspective, uh, so we don't have any like recording tools or anything that we're using. Um, and I actually feel like that's well, post meeting feedback is helpful. If you have it, you should share it. Um, I think spending the time up front actually before the meeting is probably more helpful. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is, you know, creating those templates of, you know, here's at least what we want everyone to start with, or here's the structure that you can start with, you know, take or leave what makes sense for your customer, really offloading that from each individual person needing to create. Uh, it's the playbooks of, you know, Hey, when you're, preparing for QBR, you know, here's the 10, 15 steps that you should be going through. Here's where you should be looking for data, right? Just making sure that it's really easy for someone who's ramping in the role to understand, like, this is our standard process. Um, and at least uh, the way you should be thinking about it, whether or not all of that data makes it in the QBR, like that then comes down to the CSM kind of making their own decision and driving the agenda. Um, and then I think it's doing prep meetings. So all of our QBRs we do prep meetings for um, and just make sure that we're running through the slides, we're running through the objective of the meeting, we're figuring out you know, who's gonna take which part and um, all of that sort of stuff. So it allows us to have some of those conversations beforehand of like, oh, like what if the customer brings this up or we think this might be sensitive, how do we wanna tackle it? Uh, rather than just the, oh, we realized during the meeting that was really sensitive. We should have thought about that uh, before and figured out how we were going to approach it. So uh, it's probably not the most scalable method, um, <laughs> but something that we're trying to do, and especially for a, 
I'd say like a, a younger CSM or earlier to your company CSM who's still uh, kind of learning your company way, uh, being a lot more invested in some of those prep meetings and kind of helping guide them on what is normal there um, has been really helpful. Yeah. I think your point earlier was ring true, right? If you're developing the agenda like a day ahead of time and then you're already too late, like, uh, yeah. you know, you need to be thinking probably a week in advance of all these things and being able to, to architect and craft it. Um, awesome. Well, this has been really, really fun for me just because I think there's so many good takeaways. Uh, I jotted down a ton of notes from um, while we were talking, but, you know, to summarize, I think looking at, um, you know, what are effective ways to be holding meetings, both internally and externally, um, thinking about your cadence call and how to make that really effective for uh, your customer, making sure it's valuable for kind of both sides of the coin. Um, and then thinking about your QBR and EBR, uh, you know, how do you make that mo- feel like it's more of the of the customer owns owned it or owns it? Uh, how do you make sure that they play a big part? How do you name it something that's really um, aligns with their business and, you know, think about that preparation, I think. So, um, this has been fun for me, Emily. Uh, I have one final question and then I'm gonna let you, you know, um, I'm gonna let you do your shameless plug and make sure you get an opportunity to, uh, to talk about all the cool things that you're doing. So last question though, uh, I noticed when I, when we, um, when I asked you to do this, you signed up and said that you're, uh, if you had to go build a community, it was around real estate. Uh, so talk about that for a minute. What's, um, are you all, do you just love real estate and you're, are you on Zillow like every day, just like looking up houses around you? Um, you know, are you like head first into a project? Like, tell me a little bit about, uh, why you thought about kind of building a real estate community in your free time. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely the Zillow person. Um, so, you know, if, if I had that unlimited money, um, it would be, you know, yeah, where, where can I buy, buy a new house? And, um, you know, it, I think it's, it's the buying and it's the transforming, right? So how do you then kind of make it your own? And, um, I've had fun doing a couple of projects on, uh, various homes that I've owned over the years of, um, you know, what understanding, like what adds value, but what is also kind of the thing that you want, right? Like, yeah. I don't think that you can always just invest money of like, you know, here's the future return. Like if it's somewhere that you're living, you want to enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I've also had the experiences where I'm kicking myself because it's like, oh, to do that update would have only been this amount of money. And I put it off and put it off because I thought it was going to be bigger. I didn't do enough research and I could have enjoyed it the whole time. And now you want me to invest this money just to make it look good to sell and somebody else is going to get it. Um, So, you know, I think it's just, it's this constant evolution and um, you know, I, there are definitely real estate uh, communities and podcasts and everything out there that um, I've I flirted with, you know, tried to, <laughs> to pay attention to, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of them are, at least to me, they were slightly overwhelming where, you know, it's like, I, I don't know who has the money to buy a 20 unit complex, like not me, you know, I'm trying to, trying to make it, uh, you know, to what's, what's the next day. Um, but you know, I, I think it is really interesting, um, just the market. And then you start to get into, you know, all the economics and, um, all of kind of the, the back pieces too. It's not just the, the pretty house. Um, so I think it, there's different levels of complexity depending on how deep you want to get into it. Yeah. Your, uh, your definition there of like, when do you do things in your house? Like my wife, we're going through those same conversations where, uh, we're like, all right, 
we would probably enjoy this for the next three or four years, but like, is it really going to add value? Like, should we do it? We're just talking about doing this little back patio thing. So um, I can, that resonates with me uh, on a very deep <laughs> level. Um, well, if people want to find more of you and what you've been doing with value CS with Emily, like what's the, what's the place to do that? Where can they find you? What can you do? Shameless plug, you know, you have the next, you have the floor, take it away. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. So one of the things um, that I've been so inspired by over the pandemic is just how much people have leaned into sharing knowledge and, you know, kind of doing those passion projects that were maybe on the back burner or not yet started. And it's like, oh, you know, I've, I've run out of things on Hulu and Netflix. Like, I guess it's time to actually kick this off. Um, and so one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot over the last year, year and a half is, you know, as people have transitioned, you know, completely to remote meetings, as we were talking about before, like it's just meeting stacked on meeting stacked on meeting, right? Like the stuff that you used to be able to accomplish at the water cooler or walking between conference rooms uh, now takes like a scheduled meeting, which uh, is a little bit frustrating, but it's also like it creates these packed days. And so from a CSM perspective, you, you know, you always wanted the meeting to mean something, but now I feel like the stakes are even higher of needing to provide value in every customer interaction. Uh, so that was kind of the inspiration behind Value CS with Emily and just an opportunity for me to share and give back to the community of you know, things that I've learned along the way. Um, and so, yeah, I have the the website is valuecswithemily.com. Um, and then I share a lot of the infographics on uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, those are kind of my two primary platforms. I, uh, I'll say don't have the bandwidth and or interest to like <laughs> <laughs> spread to too many uh, social media. That's, uh, I give people props who uh, can manage all that. That's just, I think, beyond my capacity. Um, but yeah, I like to, you know, highlight my learnings, but also, uh, showcase, uh, you know, other podcasts, other conferences that are coming up. Um, there's so many amazing leaders in the CS space, um, and being able to, to highlight and celebrate them. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I follow along on LinkedIn. Um, you post a lot of awesome, like you said, infographics and, um, you're always just trying to think about, you know, how do you drive value in the community? So, um, I certainly read it and appreciate it about a lot of other people do. So, uh, I'm excited, but thank you so much for coming on, Emily. Uh, hopefully you're, you're, uh, real estate and home project, you know, goes well. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of that here fairly soon. Thanks so much. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.